This is Louise Gartner with Spectrum Commodities taking a look at wheat for Tuesday, March 7th. Well, wheat markets under a bit more pressure yesterday as Kansas City and Chicago both pushed into a new low for this move, while Minneapolis was uh, selling off as well, but getting down to the low from last week. So the night session has taken Minneapolis down below that low. So pretty much now all three wheat markets have a similar chart formation where in the last day whether it's today or or yesterday we've pushed into new contract lows and i the market is kind of aligning itself it's been back and forth back and forth with minneapolis really not having a a leadership role at all but on the night session it is down about eight cents whereas KC is up a couple, Chicago is unchanged. So everything's kind of getting back in line there. Yesterday, corn was trading pretty quiet, just an inside day. And we've traded sideways since the reversal up from March 1. So it's interesting formation there too, because you had quite a washout at the end of February. And then March 1, you come in, get a nice reversal back up, and then the market has gone flat since then. So if corn is going to come back down and resume the downward path, I think that probably the worst you'll do is come down and test that spike low from the first. Uh, I, I think ultimately the corn market carves out a bottom here and starts to work its way higher into the spring. You're probably going to see some, uh, some uh, acreage battles between corn and soybeans, and I think that that will support both of those markets. Soybeans yesterday were fairly strong. We didn't close at the top end of the range, but it was a, you know, a strong day considering what was going on in the other two major markets. Soy meal was the leader and has been for quite a while. And that's just because of what's going on in Argentina. We've got a significant drought that just has not found consistent relief. And now we're seeing another stretch of hot and dry resume, and you're pretty much setting your yields as we speak. So overall production estimates are declining rapidly in Argentina. The private guys are estimating corn around 36 million tons, which is down 11 from last year, and soybeans at around 28 million tons, which is down 13 from last year. So it's it's been a, a complete disaster in Argentina. Their wheat crop got hit hard as you came into corn and bean uh, growing season. You know, plantings were delayed, waiting for rains. And then shortly after you got things planted, there was a stretch of some rainfall, some, some um, spotty rains, pretty heavy rains in some areas, but it just was not consistent, widespread, long-lasting. And now, again, you've had this stretch where you're, you're doing more significant damage to the crop. So it's, um, you're getting to the point where, you know, the bin buster crops coming out of Brazil are just simply not going to be enough to offset the losses in Argentina. So Argentina processes most of the soybeans they grow, and then they sell soy meal into the world export market. They're going to have to import a lot of beans from neighboring countries, but it's probably still not going to be enough to... Uh, be able to supply their normal amount into the pipeline. So soy meal has been the leader to the upside and that's pulled soybeans higher. It does seem like we're getting into some kind of an acceleration phase in soy meal. Had a big day up yesterday into new contract highs. So this could be the beginning of the blow off top, but we don't see any signs quite yet of, of a top. 
That said, you know, you're going to be encouraging a lot of acres here in the United States if soybeans maintain this stronger relationship to corn. And, you know, corn's going to want to protect its acreage base. You know, most farmers have their their numbers already set, but there are some flex acres that could go either way. And, uh, you know, it's, it is getting fairly late, but I think corn's going to have to step up here and uh, protect its acreage base. Also, we're seeing some interesting dynamics in the corn export trade. You know, Brazil's running low on their old crop, which is normal this time of year. Uh, typically, we would be seeing more competition from Ukraine, but of course, this is not typical for them. But even though Ukraine has said that they've got quite a bit still of grain to export, because the Grain Corridor Agreement extension has not been signed yet, it's difficult for Ukraine to really put out some offers for delivery beyond the the expiration of the corridor, which is just in like a week or so, just over a week. So we're seeing China come to the U.S. for corn. They bought quite a bit of corn. We don't have any solid numbers, but a lot of rumors floating around that they've bought quite a big chunk of corn from the United States because Ukraine can't commit and Brazil is running low. So that's, I think, kind of opens the doors for U.S. trade here over these next couple months that we could capture a lot of uh, world business. And I think that that's going to be a fairly narrow window. The odds are quite high that Brazil is going to cut a huge corn crop, but that's not available to the market until probably mid to late June at the earliest. So we do have some opportunity here to move a lot of corn, and we need to do that. We're way behind last year's exports. And I I think this is going to step up and and be that opportunity. So I, I think corn is carving out a low, and if corn carves out a low, wheat likely is carving out a low. You know, we're headed into the growing season for wheat. We're well into it in Texas. They have not had any relief in the western half of Texas. So we're going to see yields drop significantly for wheat and we're going to see a lot of abandonment I think pick up. We don't see a lot on the horizon. There are hints in the 8 to 14 day forecast that we'll see above normal precip over much of the western plains but when those forecasts become a 3 to 5 day the the rains just aren't there. So it's uh, you know we're running out of time to get some good soaking rains on this crop before it breaks dormancy in Kansas, Oklahoma and uh, it's it's looking pretty rough. We do have some crop condition reports from those three southern states. In Texas, we're at 50% poor to very poor, which is up one from last week. Good to excellent was unchanged at 19%, and we're at 19% headed, which is nine points ahead of the five-year average. In Oklahoma, poor to very poor is at 40%, which is down one from last week. 39% good to excellent is up three. They are reporting that 63% of the wheat is being grazed, and that is nine points ahead of its average. In Kansas, good our Port of Very Poor it was up two at 53%, and Good to Excellent was down two at 17%. Not great numbers when you are headed into you know the the heart of the growing season. We're going to need some relief quickly, or I think Kansas City uh, rebuilds weather premium quickly, and that will pull the rest of the complex higher. I do think that uh, the spreads with KC versus Chicago will continue to widen back out until you see rains falling in the western plains. I think Kansas City uh, reestablishes itself as a leader to the upside. A couple other things, Australia, 
is increasing their wheat production from last year to a record 39.2. That is up uh, 1.2 over where USDA has them. So this be the third record crop in a row for Australia after three disastrous crops in a row before that. So it seems to be either feast or famine with Australia. In another interesting note, Iran is back in the market for Russian wheat, which is just ironic that Russia would continue to sell wheat to Iran when Iran isn't paying for the wheat it's already bought. And those vessels are sitting in Iranian ports. They can't offload because it hasn't been paid for. And they've been there for months. Some of these vessels have been there since last September. So why Russia would continue to sell wheat to Iran when they have lots of other places to go with it is uh, a good question. Maybe there's a barter arrangement with some military aid. That would be my guess. But still, why aren't they offloading the grain that's, that's sitting there right now? So just a, an interesting side note to some of the logistical things going on in the broader market. So short term, um, I'm looking for wheat to carve out a low. We're not doing it very fast, obviously, with the market still under some selling pressure. Hedge funds have been very successful selling this market. You know, how much do they want to press it heading into a growing season that's not showing much relief in, in weather? So I, I, again, I think KC will be the leader to the upside until it starts raining in the Western Plains. Seasonally, you could see uh, markets stay strong in early May. That's a, a, a very strong seasonal window for markets to put in a high. That's a long time for wheat, but it could happen, again, if it doesn't rain. Soft red wheat has plenty of moisture for it. Uh, spring wheat has pretty much across most of the northern plains much better moisture situation than it has seen in a long time especially north dakota and northern south dakota so i mean those are the the, the main spring wheat production regions and they're sitting if anything you'll probably see some delayed plantings because of a lot of snow cover still on the ground pretty much all across North Dakota and all across Minnesota. It's uh, pretty decent across eastern Montana. So it's going to take a while to get the soil warmed up for the crop, but still we've got some time to get that done. So I, I'm looking for the markets to carve out some seasonal lows here and start to rebuild some weather premium. I think corn has found its low and start to work higher. Soybeans, they don't want to break, and I it's... It's probably considering the disaster in Argentina, Brazil, or excuse me, soybeans are not going to break even with a record Brazilian crop. If you have any questions, feel free to call at 1-800-888-9843. This has been Louise Gartner with Spectrum Commodities.